0: Nice to have you here on this Mother's Day. There is a story that was told that is simply entitled, Somebody Said. It goes like this. Somebody said it takes about six weeks to get back to normal after you've had a baby. Somebody doesn't know that once you're a mother, normal is history. Somebody said, you learn how to be a mother by instinct. Somebody never took a three-year-old shopping. (laughs) Somebody said, being a mother is boring. Somebody never rode in a car driven by a teenager with a driver's permit. (laughs) Somebody said, if you're a good mother, your child will turn out good. Somebody thinks a child comes with directions and a guarantee. Someone said, good mothers never raise their voices. Somebody never came out the back door just in time to see her child hit a golf ball through the neighbor's kitchen window. Somebody said, you don't need an education to be a mother. Somebody never helped a fourth grader with his math. Somebody said, you can't love the fifth child as much as you love the first. Somebody doesn't have more than one child. Somebody said a mother can find all the answers to her child-rearing questions in the books. Somebody never had a child stuff beans up his nose. Somebody said the hardest part of being a mother is labor and delivery. Somebody never watched her baby get on the bus for the first day of kindergarten. Somebody said a mother can do her job with her eyes closed and one hand tied behind her back. Somebody never organized seven giggling girl scouts to sell cookies. Somebody said a mother's job is done when her last child leaves home. Somebody never had grandchildren. Somebody said your mother knows you love her, so you don't need to tell her. Somebody isn't a mother. Hmm. Well, I thought that was a good story to read for us for, for Mother's Day. We appreciate all the moms that are here. And we do have a flower for it and some roses for you on the way out. Some We found some multicolored. Never saw these colors before. Roses for you on your way out. Well, it wasn't exactly last week because last week we had to finish up the prayer conference. But about two weeks ago, we were... Talking about some things, and we're going to pick up on that here today. We were looking at the ten lepers, and we saw that they made a journey out of need. They needed to get healed. And Jesus sent them on a journey of desire. It was made out of desire. They desired to become healed, and they did what it is that Jesus said to do. Then, one of them got, when all of them got healed, one of them made the trip back, and that was a journey out of gratitude. Well, we saw that Jesus gave them a command. He didn't pray over them, didn't wave his hand, didn't do anything. He just said when they came, they said, uh, of course, they wanted to be healed. And Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest. All they had to do was obey it. And so at the end of that, we took a look at some of the things that we have to obey. Sometimes God has spoken specific things for us to do. And over the course of this and even before, many of you have come to me and said, God showed you to change your diet. God showed you to uh, exercise. God showed you to do different things to help you physically with something that you are facing to be able to change your situation. And when God has spoken you to something, you need to focus on it. And your focus needs to be just on that thing. But if God has not spoken anything to you, there are things you can do in the Word and put your focus on and it will change your life. And last week, we, you know, two weeks ago, we gave you two. The first one was, do not be anxious or worry. And put in parentheses, never. Because that's what the Word of God says in Philippians 4, 6. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. Then we ask you the questions. Do you lose sleep at night? Do you stay awake at night? These are signs that you're carrying more weight than you should. Carrying that kind of weight puts strain on you and weakens you. It support things in your life that you don't want. The thing that most of us don't understand when we're carrying on a, something that is chronic, a condition that is not just comes on us, but something that comes on us and stays. The reason that it can stay is because it's supported somehow. You don't necessarily want to support it, but somehow it's being supported. We have a situation in our neighborhood, not as bad now, but it used to be worse where a neighbor about two doors down liked to feed stray cats. So if you feed one stray cat, pretty soon you end up with two stray cats, and then pretty soon ten stray cats, and the number just keeps on going. So these stray cats are all over, and if you have any trash outside that is not in a can with a lid, they will go through it. So you had to be careful about all this, and the the cats just were growing in number. Now, we didn't want the cats... You know my personal reasons for not wanting the cats. But beside that they're stray cats, they're not really uh they're not really nice. And you don't really want them to come on by with uh children and things like that, but you know, these cats were around. We didn't want them, but somehow they were being supported. That's why they stayed. Someone in the neighborhood was feeding them. Now I'm told that eventually that person did did die. Now we we, we um we did some things. My neighbor had a live trap. I don't know why he didn't want to put it out, but I was in, I was motivated. And I took this live cat trap and I put it out there. And uh, first night, first night or two, I think we caught one. Took it on down to the SPCA. You know, it's it's wild. As you don't want to be taking it out of the thing. And so we took it on down there and put it out again and caught another one. I don't think we caught more than two or three, but had to keep making the drive all the way down to the SPCA to take care of it. I could think of other things to do that was easier. But it would have caused problems at home, so (laughs) I I didn't do those particular things. And so we took it on down there to see what they uh, wanted to to do with it. And eventually the numbers did did dwindle, and we see a few of them here and there now, now and then. But you see, it's a condition that we don't want, but it's being supported. Most of the time that we have a condition, it is being supported somehow. And so, you know, you just take the thing like, we've asked before how many people want to lose weight or something like that. And most people think of two things when they want to lose weight, and that is diet and exercise. Well, I've got to eat less, and I've got to exercise more. And those things generally can help, but that is not the only thing to focus on, nor is it necessarily going to change your situation. You have to find out exactly what it is that is going on with your body that that can be affected because I've seen some people nearly starve themselves and still not be able to lose lose any weight. At least not much. So you want to find out from God and God will tell you. Doesn't the Word of God say that if any man lacks wisdom let him ask of God who gives to all liberally. God will speak to you. He will tell you the things that you need to do to help you in that condition. So one of the things we talked to you about was the word of God saying don't be anxious if you are anxious it can cause all kinds of things and so we read off this list for you once before maybe some of you looked it up I'll read it over for you one more time these are symptoms of generalized anxiety disorder they include excessive ongoing worry and tension an unrealistic view of problems restlessness or a feeling of being edgy irritability muscle tension muscle aches headaches sweating Difficulty concentrating, nausea, the need to go to the bathroom frequently, tiredness, fidgeting, trouble falling or staying asleep, trembling, being easily startled, numbness in hands and feet, difficulty swallowing, bouts of difficulty breathing, trembling, twitching, hot flashes, rashes, These are some of the symptoms that can... Now, that's not the only cause for these symptoms, but it is one of the causes for these things going on. So, if this condition is going on, one of the things you need to do is stop being anxious, stop worrying, stop fretting about things. And that can help you. The second one we said was, always be glad and rejoice. Because the Word of God talks... Now, we read a lot more verses when we went over this before. I'm just going to read here one of them for you. Psalm 104, verse 33 and 34. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. How many are still alive? Then you qualify. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. May my meditation be sweet to him. I will be glad in the Lord. Now that's a familiar verse to us. We all know that. And we gave you some other ones just from the Psalms that just talk about singing to the Lord, being glad always praising. If you can change that about yourself to stop being anxious and worrying and to be glad in the Lord always, many conditions that are in your body will stop simply by doing those two things. You don't need a specific word on it from God because God gave it to you in His Word and said this is what you should do. Your body is not made to handle anxiety. It's not made for it. You, you gotta, Now, I was talking to I started going to this uh, particular doctor um, sometime last year. I had never been to this particular type of doctor before. And uh, one of the things that I wanted to do, now you all know my, my quest to run as many miles as possible in the course of a year. And every year I try and increase that number and, and get that uh, mileage up. But in order to do it, I have to make, I, and I know this, I have to make certain changes in order for the body to be able to handle it. Because I like to run a lot of miles. And so one of the things that we were doing was every time I would hit this particular level around 200 miles a month. Once I hit that 200 miles, it seemed like after three months, something in the body would break down. One of the muscles would break down. Not, not so much joints, but just somewhere I was running into this, this thing. With my, and, and after a, a battle with one of them, uh, I was talking to the person I went to the chiropractor with and he says, look, I need to do something to keep these things. Uh, hip flexors would sometimes go. Uh, There's a couple of the things that I had, uh, had some problems with, and uh, they just affect everything. So I said, what kind of other treatment, what other kind of thing can I do on a regular basis that will help me with this? Because whatever you want to do, you have to make sure that you support it in your body, whatever it is you want to do. If you want to support a different weight, if you want to go from 200 pounds to 175, you have to do the things that are necessary to support your body at 175 pounds. Not everybody is willing to do it. You have to be willing to, to do so. And so one of the things I asked, her, I said, you have two other services here, and I named, mentioned the two. One I'm not real thrilled about, the other one I don't know a whole lot about. So I said, um, what do you think about those two? And she said, well, the, the one I didn't know a whole lot about, she thought, well, that probably is going to be a better one to do. So how many have ever heard of acupuncture? So I went over to the acupuncture people, and I said, all right, I'll make an appointment, and I'll give it a shot. So I went in there, and they stuck all the needles in me. Our sweetest lady in the... Oh, she is such a sweet lady. And not, doesn't bring any of the Eastern stuff into it. Just uh, sticks you with the pins. And that's it. And the whole time I'm on the table, we're talking about Bible stuff. We're talking about the Word. We're talking about church. We're talking about all kinds of stuff. And so we have fun conversations to that. And so um, I had this... Uh, the time I went there, I had uh, uh, pulled a... Or done something to a hip flexor, the... Uh, a year before, and it took me six months to get my mileage back up. Six months. I talked with somebody in, a, in, a, in that type of stuff. I don't think I've told you this story before. I may have. I don't remember telling you this part of the story. But I talked to somebody in a, a workout place, and I said, how long does it take to recover from a hip flexor injury? He says, you never recover. He says, I've had it myself. You never recover. I said, oh, I don't like that. But it took me six months of doing things, and I just did what God said was doing down in my spirit. I said, do it this way, this And I did that. It took six months. I recovered from it. So and the, the other side went out. The other side had the, the same problem. I said, I don't want six months again. I said, I'm so close to getting my goal for that year. I said, i, I got to figure out something to do. So we wandered over to this person, and they, they worked on it. Three weeks later, I was back to running the mileage I was running before in three weeks. And so... um we just kept it up doing it on a maintenance ba- basis because I said, you know, this, it's helping the muscles. It helps muscles. So we, uh, I get stuck with the pins about once a month. get the, the pins put all in, and, and some of them hurt. I'm telling you that it's not a painless thing to go through. Some of them hurt. Some of them ones, they stick the pin in, and my whole body just goes, She says, oh, you felt that one, did you? I said, yeah. That's <laughs> all right, do another one. Because, you know, I, I love that phrase. How many have ever heard this pain is weakness leaving the body. I absolutely love that phrase. I have it on a shirt. Pain is weakness leaving the body. I think it's fantastic. I don't know who came up with it. I know who, uh, who uh, uh, holds on to it the most, but oh, it is fantastic. But anyway, don't shy away from that, so go ahead and you know, stick me with the pain and, and things like that. But I knew that something had to be done on, on that, and I'm able to maintain the higher area of mileage at a, at a much better rate without the other things falling apart or, or, or getting hurt. And so, you know what I want to do now? I want to increase it in, in, in more. I want to go to a, to a higher level. And i asked God, God, what can I do to cause this body to continue to, to um, hold up? Because, uh, you know, we have a running group of about 50 people. I'm the only one who runs the mileage that I run. I'm the only one who expects to run that mileage. So I can't talk to them and say, what are you doing? Because no one of them want to do it. But you see, if you want to do something and change what your body is doing, you must also think, what do I need to do to support it? Now, most Christians, we're not talking about the world here. We're talking about Christians. Most Christians engage in anxiety and worry quite a bit in their life. Most Christians, if you were to ask them, would if you say, can you, um, can you stop being anxious? Most Christians, not people in the world. Most Christians would say, no, I don't think you can really get anxiety or worry completely out of your life. And yet, what's the Word of God say? Be anxious for nothing. Now, it's not the only place that it says it. It says it in a number of places. If you were to ask most Christians about being glad in the Lord always, most Christians would probably say, well, I don't know if I could do it always. i do it a lot. And when we were talking about this, we said, how many of you get engaged in complaining? You're not, you're not um, being glad in the Lord when you complain, are you? I mean, admit it, you're, you're not. How many of you know that there are some people on the road driving that can get you out of being glad in the Lord? Instantly. I mean, it's like, it's no problem. You're going along. you got the worship stuff coming out of the speaker's. Whether it's on the CD or the radio and you're worshiping God and all of a sudden somebody does something stupid and you go from worshiping God to (laughs) (laughs) almost instantly. (laughs) It's not a problem. But you see, as soon as you do it, it changes what's going on on the inside. If you can get anxiety, worry and fear out of your life, whenever it enters in, you will sense what it is doing. I'll give you a a natural example that you can understand in in this. How many people do not eat fast food at such places like McDonald's, Burger King, places like that? How many gave that up because you didn't like what it was doing to you? Okay, a lot of you people need to get saved. (laughs) Saved from fast food. (laughs) If you give up places like McDonald's and Burger King and give it up for a month and don't go and then go back and then eat the cheeseburgers that they have and you eat the the things that they have, you will notice a change in your body almost instantly. But you see, if you continue to eat the stuff, you will not notice any change at all. But if you stop and then you go and you sit down at McDonald's and you order a Big Mac, from the moment you take the first bite, you will say, oh, this is awful. But I bought it so I'm going to ahead and eat it. And I don't eat a McDonald's and burger. I would rather be hungry than to stop and eat a Big Mac. Because I know what it will do to me afterwards and how I will feel. And it won't feel good. It won't be good. I I know I'd rather not eat at all than to do that. Because I've stayed away from it and I know the effect that it's had on my body and to go on back there is um it's just not it's not a good thing to do. See, if you can get anxiety, fear, and worry out of your life, then whenever it tries to come back in, you will notice the physical change it does to your body. Whereas right now, if you continue to embark in it, you don't notice a change because you've never been lifted from that weight. But the Word of God knows that you can't handle it. God didn't build you to handle worry, fear, and anxiety. And so he tells you, don't do it. If God tells you not to do it, it means you can. If he says, be glad in the Lord always, it means that you can. Now, we challenged you last time to focus on these two things and to write down some praise reports or some some, any kind of reports about how that's going. I hope that you did that. If you didn't, go back there, grab something and uh, write it down. We'd like to hear how that's going for you. But let's go over to 2 Corinthians 11, verse 24. I got some feedback from some of you, and some of you are talking about how much anxiety is a problem in, in battling that, so we wanted to spend a little bit more time on this. In 2 Corinthians eleven twenty-four, 24, Paul talks about the things that he's gone through in his life. He says, from the Jews, five times, say five times. Five, five times. I received 40 stripes minus one. Thirty-nine Lashes five times. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was been in the deep. Three times he's been shipwrecked. Three. How many have all been shipwrecked? No. How many have been beaten with rods? Anybody take 39 lashes? Anybody spend a night and a day in the ocean? In journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils of the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. So get the list here that he's talking about. In journeys, often. So often, when he goes on a journey, it doesn't go well. Now think about that. How many of you make a trip to work and a trip back every day? Somehow, car, bicycle, walking, somehow you're making the trip to work and, and back every day. If you were able to say, often, when I make the trip to work, it doesn't go well how many of you would be apprehensive about going to work? If you were able to say often. Now, if you make the trip to work 10 times a week, one time there, one time back, five days a week, often would be more than once or twice, wouldn't it? It would be more than three or four times. If something happened three or four times out of 10, you would say, well, it it happened several times. Often has got to be at least five or more times, in my, my understanding. So a lot of the times he's going on a trip often he says it doesn't go well in perils of water so when he's when I'm on the water there have been perils there have been perils with robbers people coming to rob me of what i have in perils of my own countrymen that's the jewish folks in perils of the gentiles that's the non-jewish people so he's saying i have had perils with the jewish people and those that are not jewish who's left in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness. Now they didn't have suburbs back then, so you had wilderness, you had cities. So he says, In the city, I got trouble. If I go outside into the wilderness, there's trouble. In perils in the sea, so wilderness, city, sea. Wherever I go, there's perils. In perils among false brethren. In weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. Does Paul have reason to be anxious, worry, or be in fear? He does. And yet, who is the one who writes to us, be anxious for nothing? Who is the one who teaches us about not being anxious, not being filled with worry, not being filled with. I mean, other ones do it, too. But doesn't Paul teach us this way? So Paul is telling you, I've been through these things and he still goes through life without worry, anxiety or fear. And he says, all those churches that I started concern wants to come upon me on a daily basis. Not weekly, not monthly, a daily basis. He has the concern for the churches. But he still stays out of worry. He stays out of fear. And he stays out of anxiety. How many of y'all want to know what is it that he does that keeps him out of all these things? Now, I put this in your outline for you. I wanted to make sure you got it. There is nothing in the Word of God on how to stop opportunities to be anxious from coming at you. There is, you can cover it from book to, book to book from verse to verse, all over. There is nothing in the Word of God that will teach you how to keep situations from coming upon you that would cause worry, anxiety, and fear. So just because you are in them does not mean you miss God. And Paul just read off an entire list of things that keep happening to him. All that the Word of God teaches us is how to keep from getting these things in you. They may come at you, but you can keep them from getting in you. My situations do not create my worry, fear, or anxiety. Your situation that you're in, your work situation, your family situation, your financial situation, your car situation, your economic situation, your health situation, whatever it might be, your situation is not causing Your fear, worry, or anxiety. Paul's in a lot of the situations greater than ours. It's not the situation. If I am waiting for my situations to change through prayer or some other way, I am stuck. Because your situations are not going to change. They are continuing on. If you are a mom, worried about your your kids. If you're a dad, worried about your kids. That situation is not going to change. Once you have the kids, they're here. Situations aren't going to change. My reaction to my situations is the problem. I've got to get my reaction better. So how can we change this? Let's go over to Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Look at some things Jesus teaches us. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, the whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Many people think the light they have is light from God. Well, everybody worries. Well, everybody has anxiety. Well, everybody has fears. That's a light that is in some people. Well, I just can't stop from doing this. Well, it's just because of my makeup. It's just because of who I am. That's a light that came into you, but it's darkness. But if you don't know it's darkness, you accept it as light. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, that's not the only two masters that are out there, but he is telling you you can't serve God and you can't serve money. Or you can't serve God and money. You're going to serve one or you're going to serve the other. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your, what? Body. Don't worry about your life. Don't worry about your life. How many times are worries about whether we're going to be alive? Or whether you will eat or what you will drink. Worries can be about provision. Nor about your body. Worries can come because of something going on in our body. What you will put on. Is not life more than food? And the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air for they would neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Now we've all heard this before but if God values the birds and the lizards and the insects if He values you more than them and they're all taken care of. How many have ever seen a mosquito go hungry? we don't always like when they have something to eat. But, folks, if they get stuff to eat, how much more is your father going to take care of you? But he wants to get us into fear. The enemy does. He wants to get you into fear, worry, and anxiety. Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? Now, let's broaden this a little bit. Which of you, by worrying, can preserve one of your children? Which of you, by worrying, can add any money to your bank account? Which of you, by worrying, can cause promotion to come to your job? Which of you, by worrying, can cause a situation in your body to stop? Can't do it, can you? But we still do it, even though it's totally ineffective. Doesn't do anything. for your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about its own things. It doesn't say you will worry about it tomorrow. It says tomorrow will worry about it. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Now, I changed this around a little bit and said there's, gave you another two master's. There's two masters that you can also throw into this story. That is fear, fear is a master, or faith. Because if you are involved in fear, you're not involved in faith, are you? If you're involved in faith, you're not involved with fear. So you can't serve two masters. You are either going to serve the master of fear, or you're going to serve the master of faith. If you serve the master of fear, your life will be filled with worry, anxiety, but if you serve the master of faith, worry and anxiety can't get a hold of you. That's the whole idea of the, of the thing. You see, when you have, when you ha- have um, a condition like headaches, headaches are continually bothering you daily, uh, several times a week, whatever it might be. Headaches come upon you and they're severe. And they, they hold you back from, from things. Well, somehow that headache is able to get a hold of you. So what you have to do is cause that thing to not be able to get a hold of you. Now we're coming up to summer. How many have ever been to the pool? And in that pool we have a big party everybody's around and somebody gets the bright idea to grab a watermelon grease it up and throw it in the pool. Anybody been around for that? Maybe you watched it. Throw the watermelon in the pool it's all greased up. The goal of the game is get the watermelon. And it's very difficult to do. How many have never played this game or seen this game? Really? Where have you folks been alive? Alright, pool party when we do, uh, we have everybody over in August. <laughs> we do the church picnic. I think we're going to get a watermelon and grease it up. You see, because your body is wet and the watermelon is all greased up and you throw that thing in and the watermelon's, you know, got that shape to it. And it looks like you ought to be able to just go out there and grab hold of it. And you go out there and grab hold of it and the thing slips right on through and shoots out. And then somebody else goes and gets a hold of it and, and it shoots out again. And as long as that thing stays greased up, no one can grab hold of it. It just keeps slipping out of your hands. Eventually, the grease wears off and somebody can grab hold of the thing and uh, and pull the thing out and win the game. But see, as long as that watermelon is greased up, you can't grab hold of it. Now, if you were in a pool by yourself with a greased up watermelon, you could probably grab it and pull it out. But because you are in a pool and it's a game and there's 10, 15 other people there, you can't just go out there lightly and grab hold of that thing and carefully carry it out because if you do, someone else is right there trying to take it from you. And so you have to hang on to it tight. And when you hang on to it tight and you're wet and the thing's greased up, it just shoop, slips right on out. That's what makes the game fun. You can't play this with one person. you got to play with a group of people. And it can be, a, can be a fun game. can't believe you all never played this game. Wow. Greased up watermelon. All right, you learned something new. The idea, folks, is to get it so that in your body headaches can't grab hold of you. Tension can't grab hold of you. These things, these conditions that are out there cannot get a hold of you. One of those things you can do is not serve fear. Get anxious and worry out. Be praising God all the time. Stop complaining, because you can't complain and And be glorifying God. If you do those two things, folks, I'm telling you, you will change your life. And many conditions that you are trying all kinds of ways to get done will quit if you do those two things. Now, the reason a lot of people get into worry is because we get this feeling that I am not doing enough. Have you ever felt that? Especially when it's involving other people. Someone you know, someone you care about, someone you love is involved in a situation and you want to help them. You want to, to uh, do the things that you can to, to, to help them and to do, do things to, to bring them out of what it is that they're in. And so you talk with them and, and you say, I'm going to pray for you. But as you have prayed for them, you become anxious and you become worried because... They're going through You're not going through it. They're going through it. And you feel powerless to be able to help them. So you prayed. But it, just is, it doesn't seem like that's enough. I, I need to do more. And so the, the care and concern begins to come upon you. And you begin to come, become worried and fearful for them. But we think we're doing more for them. How does that thought process get involved? That I need to do more. We fall into worry and anxiety just because we we feel like we need to do more for them. If I don't do this, guilt can set in. Why is it I'm not concerned about this person? Do I not love them enough? Guilt begins to set, set in. Now, I'm going to give you another example. This one you can understand real easy. The same can be said for salvation. Salvation. How much do you have to do for salvation? Believe God. Yes, God. Father God, I'm a sinner. I want to be saved. However it is you make the prayer, you turn your life over to God, you're saved. How many think that's just too easy? It's just too easy. It just it has to be, be more. And so many people have thought that and we fall into a works righteousness. This is why a lot of Christians do this. They, they think that in order to be saved, I need to do a certain amount of things. So I need to get rid of this sin in my life. I need to witness to so many people. I need to pray so much each day. I need to read the Word so much. I need to be at church. I need to, And they come up with all these things we need to do. And they're good things to do. But it has nothing to do with your salvation. But as long as the enemy can trigger in your life that your actions in that way are affecting your salvation You begin to do those things out of guilt, out of shame, out of the need to do more. Paul wrote a whole letter to the Galatians about that. And he was not too impressed with their efforts. But you see how you can fall into that so easily? Instead of resting on our faith, we try and rest on our works. Because that just seems to be inadequate. And the same thing. I just pray... I mean, that's all I did. I just prayed. And that's supposed to take care of it? Come on. i put this in your outline for you. Worry, fear, and anxiety do not change your situation. They don't alter its outcome. They don't empower your prayers or build up your faith. Worry, fear, and anxiety do not change your situation one bit. They don't alter its outcome. Are they, is there any way that worry... Fear and anxiety empower your prayers. Is there any way it can build up your faith? Yet we still do it. Worry, fear and anxiety will wear you down physically. It will weaken you spiritually. And and it will get you to focus your energy into useless activities. So think about this. It will wear you down physically. It will weaken you spiritually. And it will get you to focus your energy into useless activities. Activities. Jesus said, which of you can add one cubit to your life through worry, fear, and anxiety? You can't do it. Cannot do it. But yet we'll do it. But it's useless. It won't yield anything. Now, if you are the enemy, what would you want Christians doing? If you are the enemy and you want to bring down Christians, what would you get them to do? Worry, be in fear, and be anxious. Because if I can get you to worry, be in fear, and be anxious, I have all those negative things that it's going to do in your life. Which is only going to make his job Easier. So if the enemy wants you to worry and be anxious. And God says, don't be worrying and don't be anxious. And you get a thought that comes in your mind about something that triggers you to worry. Where does that thought come from? This helps you discern the difference between the voice of God and the voice of the enemy. But the enemy can drop things into our life. Think about sister so-and-so. Think about brother so-and-so and all that they're going through. You need to pray for them. And after you pray, then he hits you with, oh, you need to keep on thinking about them. Think about all they're going through. Think about this situation. And we call them up. How many have ever had this call? I'm sure no one here has ever made this call. But maybe somebody has called you. And they say, I have been thinking about you all day. I have been so concerned with what you are facing. And you have just been a burden on my heart all day. I have just been praying for you all day long. Let me translate that for you. I heard about your situation. I may or may not have made a prayer of faith, but since that prayer, I have allowed the enemy to continually whisper in my ear fear, and I have become worried and concerned about you on a regular basis. So you have brought me into disobedience in the Word of God. Thank you very much. No, you didn't bring them into disobedience in the Word of God. They did it themselves. We have got to get this out of our life. We've got to stop thinking that this is going to help the situation. You do not show your great concern for people by your worry and anxiety. Now, let me just show hands. This is our outside hands this time, not the inside hands. Outside hands. How many of you are convinced that God is worried about you? How many of you are convinced? That God is anxious about your situation. Anybody angst, con, convinced that God is anxious? He sits up there and says, Oh, I wonder how Matt's doing Come on, Matt. Oh, I hope he... Is God doing that? All right, if God doesn't do it, why are we wasting our time? Why are we patterning ourselves after behavior that most of us right here just agreed that God does not do? Because the enemy has got us convinced he's altered our beliefs and we believe that by be me being worried and anxious to show some form of concern for that person. And see how many if, if, if you were to make a prayer, you heard about a situation that somebody had, and you heard about that, and you said a one or two sentence prayer about that and then went off. And never thought about it again. How many of us would think, oh, I must not care about that person. I haven't even given it any thought. Now, we've covered some stories of Jesus and healings. Let me get, take, take you back to a couple of them. The nobleman comes to Jesus and says, My son is at the point of death. Please come, lay your hands on him that he may be healed. And Jesus says, oh, faithless generator, doesn't talk to him very well. He says, go your way, your son lives. And he goes on his way, and he finds out along the way that his son was healed. Where in the word of God do we find that Jesus says to the disciples, I wonder how the nobleman is doing. I have been thinking about him since he was here at the meeting. I am just so concerned about what's going on with him and his son. Nobody thinks that happened? Huh. The woman with the issue of blood gets healed by touching Jesus and Jesus says, go your way, your faith has healed you. And the next day he came up to the disciples and says, I wonder if that healing stuck. I wonder if she's still doing okay. Uh, John, will you go, go run and find out how she's doing? He doesn't do that, does He? Can we find any time where Jesus tried to follow up on someone to see how they did? Actually, there is one. There is one time that I can think of that Jesus actually followed up on someone to see how they did. Do you remember that there was a man by the pool and he said, Rise, take up your bed and walk. The man rose up and took up his bed and walked and people were saying, Why did you take up your bed and walk? It's a Sabbath. You shouldn't be doing this on the Sabbath day. And so uh, he says, I don't know. The man said, rise up, take your bed and walk. So I rose, took up my bed and walked. Who did it? Well, I don't know who did it. And as he's sitting out there, Jesus comes up to him. says, Hey, how you doing? <laughs> and so then the man knew it was Jesus. He went on back and said, it's Jesus. But Jesus had some words for him. I'll give you that as homework. Find out what words he said to him. We looked at it once before. Told you about it. Those important words. Go look that one up. Jesus doesn't do, Why doesn't Jesus do this? Why why doesn't he he affect us somehow? The centurion comes. He doesn't make it to the house. Man of great faith doesn't even make it to the house. Is there any follow-up with Jesus with the centurion? Not that we find out. But have it us. We're praying for a brother or sister or we're praying for our son or our daughter. Constantly thinking about that situation. And what do we do? The next day, call them up. How are you doing? How are you doing? How's it going? Did you feel any any change? Why are we doing this? You see, it's hard for us to show concern for someone and faith the way we think. Because I think in order for me to show concern, there has to be at least a little worry and anxiety. And yet, no one's love is greater than the Father's. And not a single one of us thinks that he is worried or anxious about us. Doesn't that seem to be a conflict in beliefs? I don't believe it does God any good. But somehow, I think it's going to do me some good. But the Word of God tells us on a number of occasions to be anxious for nothing. Jesus says, do not worry And yet we find reasons to do so. Why? Because the enemy is trying to help us to find reasons to be worry, worrisome and anxious because he knows the negative effect it has. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6. Let's read it again. Be anxious for nothing. He doesn't stop Stop there. He doesn't just say, don't be anxious, don't give thought to these things. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Now, if you are making a prayer and supplication to God with thanksgiving, don't the rules of prayer apply? Then, if we look at the rules of prayer, James says that when we ask something of God, don't be double minded. Don't be believing, well, God's going to do something, and as soon as I get out of there, believing that He didn't. Don't be double minded. Don't be thinking about that. Jesus, when he teaches about prayer, whatsoever things you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. So when you pray, what things? Now, we're, we're talking about things. As we were taught, you know, not all sports is sports. You can't play basketball by football rules. When you are praying for things, a certain set of rules apply, in, and it's in the Word of God. And one of those things is, believe that when you ask them that you have them. So if you are making a request for someone, when should you believe that you have it? When you make the request, or after you call them up to see if they're better? When you make the request? That's when you need to do it. So we make the request, say, Father God, brother, sister, so-and-so needs wisdom. I thank you, Father, that you give them wisdom. Because you say you give to all men liberally. And we go on. But then he also puts on there, with Thanksgiving, doesn't he? Where does Thanksgiving come in on that? Well, we make the prayer and the supplication, we make the request, and then we have Thanksgiving. Why do we have thanksgiving? <laughs> because we have the thing that we ask for. Believe that you receive them. You shall have them. So once I make the request, I believe that I receive them. And what do I do? Father God, I thank you that I have wisdom in this situation. I thank you that they have wisdom in this situation. I thank you for the healing that is in my body. I thank you for whatever it might be. You thank God for it. Because when do I believe that I receive it? When I asked, so I make prayer and supplication, and then comes into thanksgiving, and and then after you do this, the enemy is going to come in and says, "What about sister so and so? What about brother so and so?" And we think about these. Oh yeah, Father God, I know we prayed for wisdom for them, but oh, just be in there and just give them wisdom. What am I doing? I'm breaking all the rules of prayer. In order to bring in worry, fear, and anxiety. What's the enemy saying? Ah, we got him. What's God saying? Oh, you of little faith, how long will I be with you? Ah, come on, folks. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So after I make the prayer and request, it says the peace of God will come in. I'm walking in the peace of God. And then the thought comes. How is that situation going? Oh, I don't know. And I begin to feel worry and anxiety come in. What am I supposed to have? Peace. The peace of God. What do I have? Worry and anxiety. What did I do? I left what this verse said to do. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It surpasses all understanding. I don't understand how I can have peace when this is going on. But I have peace. Then he goes on in verse 8. Finally, brethren, Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report. If there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. He says that right after all this stuff about the peace of God, about being anxious for nothing. Whatever things are true. How many of you have worried about a report you heard on the news Worried about a report you heard from the doctor. Or worried about something that you heard that came in. It says those things that are true. Do you know that thing to be true? I'll tell you what. The news is so corrupt. We've talked about it before. The news is so corrupt. Do not bring these people into your house. Don't turn them on. I don't care. Local. Whoever it might be. Keep them out. Because they are not here to bring in truth and whatever you bring in they will that untruth will get in you i i get amazed at the things i hear from people that are talking about the stuff that the news has brought up and there's not an ounce of truth to it not an ounce of truth to it i could tell you reports you even know about and where they came from i've he- i've heard reports brought up that were fake reports brought up to... Uh, one report was brought up uh, last year sometime to uh, Donald Trump when he was running for presidency. The report was fabricated. It was a made-up report about something that happened overseas. They made up the report about what these prostitutes did in a room for where the, uh, um, the Obamas had been, been in, staying in. Did ever, anybody hear about that report? That report was completely made up by the U.K., to demonstrate to Donald Trump, who was not president then, he was just a candidate, that the briefings that they did on security, on intelligence, were necessary because they would bring these kind of things out and he could get ahead of them. That report, there was no factual thing, anything to it. And the news media sat on it for a while because they all knew there was no facts in it. Finally, one of them, I think it was BuzzFeed, came out and they decided to print the report. And that everybody reported on BuzzFeed, having reported on the thing. And to, to, to his shame, a senator questioned Sessions during his conference. His confirmation hearing? Questioned Sessions. Questions that came out of that report. Came out of that report. Asked him questions about it. And it was all completely made up. There was never anything to it. It was just sh- done to show him these things needed to go on. I could tell you stories like that after another that the news media is putting out. Constantly trying to put out because they're trying to change how people think about the world, about how people think about Christians, about how people think about the gospel, about other religions. They constantly want to try and change these things. Don't bring them in. Whatever things are true, I've, met, I've tried to discipline myself that no matter what report I hear, I'm going to check. If I'm going to met, spend any time meditating on it, I'm going to check it out and see if it's any good. Otherwise, I just check it out. I don't think about it. Whatever things are true. What are we supposed to be thinking on? Whatever things are true. Whatever things are noble. Whatever things are just. Does it fit that list? Whatever things are pure. Whatever things are lovely. Whatever things are of good report. How many of you are thinking about things in your life right now that are not a good report? Not a good report. Such and such is going bad. Such and such is going, going, whatever things are of good report. If there's any virtue. In other words, anything beneficial from it. If there is anything praiseworthy. Meditate on these things. If you would change your life to meditate on these kind of things you would alter your life. But we don't. How many of us have got some things that we are thinking about that do not measure up to this list? Got to get them out. It doesn't say just don't just be anxious. He gives you the, the reasons for it. The way to do it. So I'm going to give you a summary here. Cast out all anxiety. Get rid of it. Just cast it out. Worry, fear, throw it out. Pray to God and be thankful. After you get done that prayer, be thankful that it's done. Don't get into a place of being unthankful. And let your meditations be beneficial. Anytime I think about prayers in this in this kind of a way, in this kind of a story, I think of the Sister Grace story. How many of you remember the Sister Grace story? I've told you before, told you a number of times. How many people do not remember the Sister Grace story? Anyway, a couple of people don't. All right, a couple of people don't. I could hear this story every week and not get tired of it. I wish I could hear Brother Hagin tell it. Again, I, if I could find it on the, all the YouTubes I've been through, I wish I could hear him tell it again because I, it so moved me the first time I heard this story. But he was a, this is in his younger days. He says, I was not as bold then as I am now. And he says uh, he was in a meeting, a special meeting. He was the guest speaker. And this lady came on in during the praise and worship time and came up and whispered something to the pastor. And after the worship was over, the pastor came to the stage And at the microphone, he said, Sister Gray. I don't know that that's her real name. That's what he called her in the story. I have always known her and called her Sister Gray. He a lot of times just change the names of people. Sister Gray is in the hospital. And she, whatever the condition was, she is this. And the doctors don't think she'll make it to the night. She's critical. It looks like she's going to die. So we need to pray for God to do a miracle and that she would be healed. So they all got together. And they all prayed. Asked God for a miracle. And believed that she was healed. And so the pastor afterwards, he said, how many of you believe that she's healed? And the whole church said, amen. And they gave thanks. And so the, uh, the next day, service was going on. He saw this same lady come in in the, in the church service. Part of the way through worship. Came over, whispered something to the pastor. After the worship service is over, the pastor came to the pulpit, took the microphone, and said, well, Sister Gray made it through the night. The doctors didn't think she would. And the doctors said, it looks like she's going to recover. She made it through the hardest part, and it looks like now she's going to recover. But the pastor said this, this is the words of the pastor, but she's still terribly weak. So we need to all pray together that God would do a complete work in her and that her body would be strengthened. So the whole church got together, stood up, and began to pray that God would do a complete work and that her body would be strengthened. And Brother Hagin was sitting on the stage and he said it was just as real as if somebody was behind me. In fact, he said, I turned around to see who said it. But I heard these words come from behind me and these words spurned in my memory that's it they've taken her out of my hands now she'll be dead in three days and sure enough in three days she was dead now this is the lesson he told us to learn from this he said this is, this is important this is what you got to learn through prayer you can put people into the hands of God and through prayer you can take them out It's important, folks. It's important. Worry, fear, and anxiety. If you pick this up after prayer, will just as quickly take a situation out of the hands of God as you did to put it in. The reason a lot of, a lot of things God can't do in our life is because we continue to pick up fear, worry, and anxiety. There's no room for it in your life. God says don't do it. And when you make a prayer request to God. Believe that you've received it. We're not talking intercession here. Intercession is a whole other kind of prayer. We're talking about supplication. Prayer and supplication. Asking God for things. Intercession is different. But this asking God for things. You know what the word of God says. This is what you can ask for. This is what God said he will do. You ask God for it and God says he'll do it. It's important, folks. Oh, it's important. If you make a request for God to change a situation in your life and the enemy comes along and rattles your chain and says, what about this? Don't pick it up with worry and anxiety. Stay in the area of thanksgiving. Remember the two things we told you to focus on? (coughs) Be anxious for nothing. And be glad in the Lord always. Don't stop being glad in the Lord. And when that devil wants to come along, that enemy wants to come along and remind you. Hey, what about this situation over here? You better be praying about it some more. You haven't prayed about it much today. Oh I better had. No, you just laugh at him. <laughs> That's funny, devil. <laughs> That's funny. No, I don't need to make requests of God anymore. I already asked God and God already gave it to you. It's already mine. And just go on. And not be in fear. Not have anxiety. And not have worry. I'll tell you what, folks. If you can do these two things, I'm telling you, you will change your life. Many things that are going on in your body that you don't want to go on will fall away simply by doing these two things. Now, let me ask you, this is an outside hand. Let me ask you a show of hands. How many, since we were talking about this two weeks ago, how many of you have been focusing on this for two weeks of not being anxious and being glad? I want to hear the reports from you. I want to hear what's going on in your life from it. But here's what we're going to do. You've had two weeks, and now this. you're going to have a whole another third week three weeks to work on these things. And if you got them down pretty good, I'm going to give you two more things next week, easier than this one, these two. That if you can bring them into your life, these are things that God has told all of us to do. And I will guarantee that almost every single person here is not doing at least one and probably both. And yet God tells us to do it. We'll get into that next week. If you bring those things in, oh, I'll tell you what, you can make some major changes in your life. And the things that you are trying to do in the area of weight, headaches, blood pressure, health conditions, whatever it might be, and you are believing and you are trying and you are doing everything you can, and yet you're going to take something over here that does not seem to be affected at all. And you will bring about change in that. You will bring about a, a great change in that. What time we got now? See, we're, we're past this. Remind me for next week because I want to tell you a story of how you can do something that seems completely unrelated to the change you think you need and yet it's exactly what it's called for. Seems completely unrelated and yet... It's exactly what's called for. Don't let me forget. I'll tell you that story next week. If I get through the entire time and don't tell you that story, then you all can just, hey, tell me that story. Because I don't have to look it up. I can tell you that story right now. Great story. We'll get into that. Would you all stand up with me? Father, you have told us to be anxious for nothing, to not worry, to be glad in the Lord always. That thanksgiving is to be a part of our prayers. And instead of being anxious, we are to make requests of you and then go on and be thankful. That our meditation should be sweet and of good things, beneficial things, things that are true. If we can change these things in our life, Father, many conditions that we don't like will fall away they will stop because we are not supporting them in our life anymore. And without support, they can't stay. I thank you, Father, for the help that you give us to continually remind us what your word said. Be anxious for nothing. Do not worry or fret about anything. And be glad in the Lord always. Be glad in the Lord always. Father, I thank you for the changes that will come into our life as we obey your word and focus on the things that you said to do. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Before we go, it's our Sunday to celebrate communion where we remember what Jesus did for us on the cross. He knew we would forget. He knew we would alter it. He knew we would change it. So he said, do this often. Some churches do it weekly. Some churches do it monthly. Never says how often is often. But as often as we do it, we do it in remembrance of him. And so we break down on the the communion part what Jesus was doing. And on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he brought his disciples into the upper room. And before supper, he broke the bread and gave thanks for it. And he said, This bread represents my body, which is broken for you. So often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. The body of Jesus Christ has nothing to do with the forgiveness of sins. It has nothing to do with the redemption, the buying back. But the body of Jesus has everything to do with our healing. That when Jesus saved us, He didn't just save us from sin. He saved us from the curse of the law. He saved us from sickness and disease. For the Word of God tells us that on His body, He bore our pains, our sorrows that our sickness and disease was put upon Him so that we would not bear it. In the same way that we are not to bear the guilt of our sin, we are not to bear the sickness and disease of this world simply through the salvation work of Jesus Christ. So He took the bread and He broke it. And he gave it to his disciples. It was unleavened bread because it was the feast of unleavened bread. Because leaven represented sin. And his body had no sin in it. And so he said, take and eat. As often as you do this, remember. Let's remember together what Jesus did on the cross what Jesus did leading up to the cross that his body was beaten beyond recognition the word of God says he was beaten for our iniquities the chastisement of our peace was put on him and by his stripes we are healed let's eat together and remember the healing power of his body The Word of God tells us very plainly. After supper, He took the cup. There's an entire meal between the body and the cup. An entire meal. It was separate because there's two different parts. It's not the same thing. He said this represents the blood of the new covenant. The old covenant covered up sin. The new covenant his blood washes it away. Under the new covenant, his blood paid our ransom and redeemed us from the power of sin. We have been bought back. We are no longer the enemies. We are his. As we drink together, let's remember that we are his and by his blood, what he did. We are forgiven, not by what we do. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Father, we thank You. We thank You for the healing provision of salvation. We thank You for the forgiveness of salvation. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We have uh, one praise report. If anybody else had one, you can bring it on up. Daryl says, I thank the Lord for restoring a relationship that I didn't know how to fix. Glory to God. That's a, that's a good one there. Good praise report. We had uh, one uh, prayer request. Kenny and Bobby put in that they met a lady at the radiation. Her name is Ernestine. Ernestine. She has cancer in her breast. Does she believe in God for her healing? Yes, she is. All right. That's always the good, good ones. That's good. All right. Some of you have not realized uh, we're here when we were praying for Tracy. How many knew we were praying for Tracy? All right, if you didn't know that, you weren't on the email list. But you can certainly be on the email list if you, or text list. I just uh, send out a text. Uh, and Tracy did pass away. She uh, she went home to be with the Lord. She um, she uh, It came to to light afterwards. They were they were telling us that uh, though we were believing for for good things for for her body, she had given up the fight. And she had said, "I just." Uh, How did did she say it? Just let me go. Just let me go. go. And you see, if a person decides that they want to go, they have authority over over themselves. We have to understand authority. You can't exercise your will on someone else's life any more than God can exercise His will on someone else's life, even though you may want that. We have to be real careful with people that are on machines where they can't talk and they're not conscious because the things that they said before are the things that are in play. Be careful of the words you say with your mouth because you put those things into into play. And if you lose consciousness, how can you bring it back? And you have authority over your body more than anyone else. And so we have to, we have to be careful of, of those things. It's an, I've made this quote to you many times. I believe it was Creflo Dollar. He's the first one I heard from. Whether other people saw, said it, I don't know. But he said, where you go to church is a matter of life and death. And one of the questions I always ask people whenever they ask me, said, are they in a church that's teaching them that Jesus is our healer? They didn't think that uh, that she was. Uh, that I, uh, I told her, I said, look, if her pastor can't make it down or isn't coming down or whatever, reason, I will go, drop what I'm doing and, and go. But the only thing I said was that she needed to invite me. Because you see, you can go and try and impose your will on a situation and you're not doing anybody any good. But you see, what happened with Jesus? Jesus asked for an invitation. What do you want me to do for you? Or people came and they sought Jesus out and they asked Jesus, come and do this. need to have that invitation, folks. Without that invitation... You can't, you can't bring about the change that you desire and even the change that you know can happen if that person stands in the way so many things happen in this life that are not God's will are not God's desire because people have imposed their will and it's not a hard thing to understand from the word of God how many people die and go to hell even though it's the will of God for how many to be saved all because we can impose our will even though the will of God has stated to be different he gives us that freedom it's a shame I know Tracy didn't just want to die she wanted to be alive but she lost hope And see a lot of times for people they lose hope in this life but they have hope in the next and it's easy to go where the hope is so I just want to update you on, on that situation. Let's all stand up one more time as we go. Father, we just pray for this woman that, they, that Candy and Bobby met, that the word, of, the word of God would rise up in here, that she would know that Jesus is her healer and say the things with her mouth believe the things in her heart that opened the door for you to do the work that you are well able to do and willing to do and even desiring to do. All we need to do is give you an open door. We thank you for it. We give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Glory to God. Well, folks, have a great week. Wednesday night, we're back in the Philippians series. A little... uh, a bit about that in the bulletin. We'll give you more on the Facebook page as uh, we get closer to it. Saturday is the men's breakfast. That's going to be at 8 o'clock. And then next Sunday after service, we have the, the um, Revelation class. It starts at 1 o'clock. We are on Revelation chapter 6 and the opening of the seven-sealed scroll. It is being opened and the seven seals are released. We will talk about each of those seals, what they are, so that you can understand it. How many of y'all can say this with me? Revelation, Revelation. is the easiest book. In the Bible to understand. I believe that. I will pass that belief on to every single one of you here. If you hang out with the classes and come on out and, and uh, take part in it. It is important for you to know. The book of Revelation is so important to know. That God called a man up from the earth to come up into heaven to write it. When did that ever happen? That's how important it is to know it. Why is it important for you to know? About things that you will not be here to see. We cover that in the book of Revelation. So I hope you can come on out. That's uh, next next Sunday at 1 o'clock. We give you a little bit of time to go out and get something to eat or just bring some stuff with you. Moms, on your way out, we have some flowers for you. Make sure that you get those.